we we would have at night we have a, a we call him a mischief manager <laughs> so we always have someone here but you know i'm always looking at my phone in case i, I never want to miss a call from our mischief manager um how do i how what's on the job description for a mischief manager how do i get that job i want to know you just kind of hang out like make sure no one's bringing a huge party back and you know just make sure everyone's having a good time we live in a world that's kind of crazy right now are you adding more to the system than taking from it? I wasn't willing to tell myself that I didn't believe in myself enough to make it work. Come to Austin, just do cool stuff. That's the cover charge. What's up, everyone? Thanks for joining the latest episode of the Cover Charge podcast. This week's guest is Kristen Carson. She's the founder and CEO of In Cahoots, which is a hotel located in East Austin that caters exclusively to groups. So a lot of bachelor parties, a lot of bachelor parties. We have a great discussion with her coming up. But before we get to that, I want to do a quick plug. If you're an Austin musician or an Austin band and you want a free music video, visit thirdlamarmedia.com. That's the site for our agency and production arm. Visit the blog section and there's details there on how you can apply to get this free music video. After May 15th, which is the deadline, we're going to select one Austin band or musician to produce a music video for it's a small gesture for us to give back to the music community. We love music. We love film. We love videos. So we're really excited about this. We hope we get a lot of applications. All right, let's get to the interview. I asked Kristen what the past 90 days have been like for her at In Cahoots. Well, we had been doing so well. We were 70% above our target, even for when we were supposed to be, you know, fully operational. And um, we had just decided to move out to another market to expand our concept. Um, so within three days, we had raised $5 million to expand to another market. We were under contract, ready to go, and then this hit, and the wheels came falling off. So we met, um, your husband, Brian, is the attorney for 3rd Lamar. Um, he's a good friend of mine. Um, I emailed him after sort of the, the quarantine began in mid-March. And I just wanted to check in because I knew that, you know, you, his wife, had this uh, this space. And I was like, things must not be good. Um, so I just checked in with him. And he'd respond. And he said, yeah, we're, we're in crisis mode. <laughs> Describe <laughs> crisis mode. Um, and just what was the day when you were like, it, the gravity of the situation hit you? Well, I think I was afraid of it hitting um, even back to late February. So we were actually in the other market. We were expanding to Nashville and we were in Nashville. Um, I started hearing rumblings of it, you know, coming to the U.S. and um, started to get more and more worried about South By, which was uh, was a really big time of year for us. We make about 15 percent of our revenue during South By. Um, and so I was pretty on edge for the next what, two weeks, maybe or a week. Um reading all the news. And then um, there was a press conference in which Mayor Adler said, we're not canceling South by. And I thought, whew, well, that's lucky because pretty sure that <laughs> things are going to get bad if they do. Um, and then two days later, they had another press conference and said, we're canceling. And that was, uh, that was the beginning. That was like the front two tires like falling off. And then, you know, we just went head over that as, as we kept going forward. And um, lost all of our bookings prior to this. We were pre-booked through March or sorry, through, sorry, June. We were pre-booked through June and, um, we've just been getting cancellations constantly. 
I don't know what your cancellation policy is, but did you get to keep the deposit or any of that? Or were you just like, okay, we're, we're going to give everything back? So we have a very strict cancellation policy because we um, cater towards groups. So what we've done is um, we've said we're going to give you a large percentage back. The rest is in travel credit. Anytime you want to come, you're welcome to come. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was, we had to, we had to do that. We, um, you know, had so, so many bookings and, um, you know, we went from, you know, full faucet to like the faucet turned off. Yeah. Did you have pandemic insurance? I think that's something that probably a lot of hotels maybe didn't even consider before this. So we had coverage of business loss and they, and we thought we had pandemic insurance, but it actually specifically, um, does not include viruses. That's the only, I mean, so yeah, I mean, we thought we had, we thought we were insured, um, for a good portion of our revenue. Um, and there is some talk, uh, I've heard from other businesses, um, or I think in other States about how it may have been illegal to exclude, um, that insurance and business loss. So yeah. There's some hope maybe. But. Yeah. Um, and so the just past few weeks, I'm sure you've applied for the payroll protection loan, get grants, everything you possibly can. Describe what you've applied for. Uh, literally everything from the PPP to the EIDL to, um, you know, even little smaller grants. There's like the Red Backpack Fund, which is, um, I think, for women entrepreneurs. And Texas Women's University has a grant. <laughs> I mean, like the visa. I mean, I've applied for literally everything because... Um, yeah, I mean, our, our revenues, we're not even making 1% of what we were. Have you heard back from any of those, um, banks or organizations about the loans that you applied for? Yeah. So I think we got the PPP, which is great. Um, and will enable us to do a, a small pivot that we're going to have here, um, to get some money coming in. But, um, you know, I haven't heard back from the other ones yet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I want to talk more about In Cahoots in a little bit. Uh, this is an amazing space. It's something like, uh, it's a hotel concept like I've never seen before. And, you know, there's four levels on 6th and uh, Adayak. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that street, but it's like right in the heart of East Austin. Um, and, you know, I'd love to learn about how you scored this property and everything. But let's take it back to, you know, how you got to this point, because I think it's an unlikely story. You, before you started In Cahoots, had no hotel industry experience at all. Um, in fact, you had worked in consulting prior to getting into in cahoots. Um, you grew up in a small town outside of Allen, Texas, came to UT. Talk about, you know, from going to UT to where you are now, the steps that you took. Yeah. So I was lucky enough to go to UT. I loved the university. Um, and, I've always wanted to be an inventor, um, and so or a mad scientist, um, and so creating a company was something that kind of was right on track with what, something I would want to do. Um, yeah, I uh, studied marketing and mechanical engineering, so went into Deloitte um, to do strategy consulting, which is wonderful. Um, but I was itching to see if if an idea that I had would work, um, and so I jumped off to start my own business. So, but before that, you, in 2000, was it 11 when you moved to Austin with Brian, um, 
you guys had a place near downtown. Where where was your place in downtown? Yeah. So our place is on I-35 and 6th Street, and we bought it. It was our first home. It's a four-story townhome. Um, and it's it's so um, visible from 6th Street that um, we wanted to do a huge graffiti wall. This was before graffiti walls became kind of passe. <laughs> it was even before they were cool. Um, we did a huge graffiti wall, which was like a nod to the fact that we were on the east side. And um, I think MTV, a scout just came by from MTV and started asking us if they could use our um, townhome for artist interviews. Uh, so we started with that. Then we realized, we found out what Airbnb was. And at the time we were planning our wedding. So we decided to put the place up for our honeymoon and it got booked. It paid for our honeymoon, which was amazing. And then we came back and it kept getting booked at these incredibly high rates. Um, and so I just kept dragging my husband to a hotel every weekend <laughs> while we while we rented it out um, to groups. Uh, and it, it was it was really great. We eventually saved enough money to buy our own house and move out of there um, so that we didn't have to pack up our belongings every week. Um, and during that time, we just kept thinking about the fact that this would be great if it were a legitimate hotel um, and eventually came up with this concept. So give me a sense of like what a weekend, what you could earn in a weekend by renting out your four-story townhome? Back in 2012, we were probably doing about 2,500 or 3,000 a weekend. Okay. Which is amazing because our mortgage was like 2,900. Yeah. <laughs> so it so was like a no-brainer. Were you guys splurging? When you left to go to hotels every weekend, were you splurging going to like the W or were you just like trying to go to the bargain hotels because you were trying to save up money to get another place? Um, I mean, we would go to the West End at the Domain, which at the time was like $129, $139 or something. So I wouldn't call it exactly splurging, but it wasn't like a bargain okay. hotel. Was, and was that pre-short-term rental tax? Yeah. Oh, yeah. This was, this was like... We must have been one of the first properties on Airbnb. And in fact, because we were up, someone saw our property um, and started buying large homes and doing the same thing that we did, but in neighborhoods. And um, that person became very, very famous. There ended up being some like ma massive protests in Austin against um, hosting these large parties in neighborhoods. And um, it was all kind of modeled after a little house. Um, but that was what kind of gave us the impetus to put, build a hotel because... Um, we didn't think that what he was doing and doing this in neighborhoods was very sustainable. I, people are obviously not very happy when they're living next door to a bachelor party every weekend. Yeah. Um, but also the the parties don't want to be in a neighborhood. They they want to be on Sixth in Street action. anyway. Yeah. Talk about getting over the mental hurdle of somebody sleeping in your own bed, using your bathroom. Was that easier for you than Brian or vice versa? Or were you both like, we're making so much money, we don't care? Yeah. Um, I mean, we didn't, I mean, we were just starting out. We were like, this is our first home. We, yeah, we didn't really care. I mean, of course we had really great cleaning crews, which matters, but I mean, you know, I, like I would leave some of my clothes there. If they want to steal my dress then they, they can have my dress. They paid enough for it. <laughs> so they would check out around like noon. You'd have the cleaning crew come right away. Then you guys would probably have dinner and come, come back after dinner. Yeah. Yeah. So every Sunday night we'd get back around nine o'clock maybe to our house <laughs> we'd stay there until you know they'd usually check in on thursday so thursday morning we'd leave <laughs> luggage who was the coolest artist that mtv interviewed oh 
You know, I don't even know who all they interviewed there. And actually, over the years, we've had a series of commercials that are filmed there. Um, we've had some really incredible bands that have stayed, um, some NFL players. And so, yeah, I mean, we've just had really cool people. And y'all still have that place? We do. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. do you book it through Airbnb still or through, you know, VRBO? Yeah, somewhat. Um, we've really started to focus on the hotel. Um, and there have been so many, like, there's been so much legislation coming down on how many people you can host in an Airbnb, um, which is why the hotel has done so well. Um, all of our competitors, which are large Airbnbs around, are, are bound by the law that they can't have more than 10 people in any one Airbnb. And our, our hotel is under a different set of restrictions because we're, we're, you know, approved through the fire code and through the, you know, we have a hotel license. It's just a different license. Yeah. So this Airbnb experience was obviously very positive for you at the time. You're still working for Deloitte, but then you started something called simply international, right? Yeah. Which you're still the CEO of. It's the sister company of Incahoos. Talk about simply international and how that came about. Yeah, um, I traveled abroad when I was at UT, and I loved being abroad and uh, came back and just kept thinking about ways that I could continue to study abroad throughout the rest of my life um, and eventually came up with an idea that would enable me to interact still with international students when they came to the U.S. and um, figured out that they had a, a problem, which was finding short-term housing. Um, so we created um, a, a company that enables international students to find short-term furnished housing. Um, and we ended up getting contracts with universities um, to do essentially pop-up hotels. So um, if a university is bringing in 50 teachers from Mexico for an English language you know, experience, we will find underperforming real estate assets in Austin and convert them into a hotel and then lease it for whatever period of time UT needs it. Okay, so you guys, it's like a turnkey solution where you don't actually own any of these assets, but you'll find a place and refurbish it for a set period of time and UT doesn't even have to worry about anything, right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And we, um, yeah, that's exactly right. And so it's very similar to our hotel at In Cahoots um, because it works with group travel um, because it's, it, it is a pop-up hotel. So we have the same cleaners and, you know, there's, there's the same processes in place for both companies. Okay. One. So when I learned about In Cahoots, um, and I came here, I think it was the one year anniversary party you guys had here. Um, it was kind of like a light bulb moment for me. I was like, this makes so much sense, right? Um, people come to Austin for bachelor and bachelorette parties. Even, you know, I'm closing in on 40. My friends sometimes are like, hey, let's try to meet one time a year to get together as a group. Um, hotels don't necessarily cater to that audience. Yeah, you can go the Airbnb route, but it's not... Uh, houses where that you can rent on Airbnb aren't necessarily outfitted for like all the things you want to do. Sometimes they are, but they're in high demand. You might not be able to book them when you want them. This is a hotel that caters to group travel like that. Describe the space and describe like the light bulb moment. We were like, this, nobody's doing this. We got to do this. Yeah. So it was maybe 2014 or 2015. We started actively looking for space to build the hotel. Um, and that was in response to the fact that neighborhoods were getting really upset with having these large groups um, every weekend uh, in their neighborhood. Um, so we wanted to find something that was in the middle of the action that could be a, like a legitimate hotel. Um, and uh, it took several years to get through the city because it's such a unique 
it's architecturally very unique to combine um, residential spaces with assembly spaces um, and to have each unit have five bedrooms. It's just an incredibly unique product. Um, took a long time to get through. Um, I don't know if that there was necessarily one light bulb moment. I would think like if, if I had that idea, I'd be like, somebody else has got to be doing this. And I'd be doing research like, wait a second, you know, does any, does this exist anywhere else? And did you spend a lot of time researching? You're like, it doesn't matter how many other people are doing this. Like this doesn't exist in Austin and I'm doing it. Um, I mean, yeah, I've, I've always been paying attention to the market and just seeing if there's anything else like this. Um, but I've, you know, it's, it's so much cheaper to buy a house and to put it up on Airbnb than it is to build a hotel and to do it what I consider to be the right way. Um, and so, you know, there, there really wasn't anyone going this route because it required so much more capital. Um, but also it requires a bank that believes in the concept. And that's quite difficult to find a lender that will back something that's a unique real estate project. Yeah, I want to talk about the fundraising in a second. But first, like you're the CEO of Simply International, a lot of people would be like, all right, this is enough. This is pro- this is going well. But like you had the ambition to be like, no, I'm going to add in cahoots to my plate. Like, have you always been sort of like hard charging, super ambitious? And like, why did you think that this wasn't more, you know, you weren't biting off more than you could chew? Oh, I don't think I ever think about it that way. Yeah. It's just always like, this is really cool. I want to move forward and do this and do it well. Um, but, uh, you know, I, 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 it's, it's very interesting because Simply International and Incahoot seem quite different um, because the markets are so different. But in the end, it's just groups that are traveling together and we provide a really cool space for them. Um, and, you know, we kept gravitating towards Incahoots because um, we, could, we could actually find the space and, and buy it and build something. Um, with Simply International, it's it's much harder to get um, access to that real estate. Yeah. Um, although we would we would have we would like to own real estate um, in that market as well. Okay. So you have one parent company um, for both Incahoots and Simply International, and you share resources between them. Mm-hmm. Um, give me a sense, like in 2019, what percentage of the revenue came from Incahoots versus Simply International, and then like in your budget for 2020 at the beginning of the year, like. What pers- were you thinking like in cahoots is going to take off like 90% of our revenue is probably going to come from in, in cahoots? Yeah. So t- 2019, it was 25% from in cahoots. Um, 2020, we were on track to be probably more around 40% to 50%. Um, but because we own the actual asset for in cahoots, the profit margins are much, much higher. Um, and so in cahoots was a really great um, thing for us to keep building yeah and were you spending um you know now and then maybe three months ago were you spending you know maybe three months ago you're spending 50 50 percent of your time on simply international 50 percent on in cahoots and now what what's the percentage oh you know i've been spending a lot of time on in cahoots for the past two years okay um really because uh undergoing construction was really um a difficult process um and simply international is something that we have so processed out that we it doesn't necessarily need as much attention. Um, but, uh, yeah, so so I'd been spending a fair amount of time within Cahoots. Um, okay. and, and that is the section that we had just determined that we would like to expand because it's much easier to, to buy the assets. Yep. Well, what was the process like in building a business plan and, and fundraising? 
what response did you get? And from like the time when you began pitching investors to when you actually closed on the funding, how long did that take and what was the total amount of money you raised? So we raised in the end around six and a half million. And, um, and that was a mixture between equity and debt. Um, the equity wasn't that, that hard to, to get actually. Um, we have a, uh, I think it was a really great idea. It is still a really great idea. Um, we had a track record of, you know, six years of working in the same market. Um, and now we just wanted to make it, you know, go a route that we thought would in the future be legal because um, legislation was coming down on Airbnbs. Um, so getting the the equity wasn't actually nearly as difficult as the debt. Um, banks didn't recognize um, short-term revenue Um when we went to them, um, they didn't think that it was very um, uh, consistent, even though we had years and years of experience um, to show. Um, and this was a, a new product, a, a new hotel product. So um, it was it was quite difficult to find a lender that would trust us. But you closed and um, you found the property. You, I imagine that there's a bidding process for this property. This is like a really hot spot. Um, in your business plan, did you already have this location in mind? Yeah. So before we ever started raising money, my husband and I bought this property. And so we personally were sitting on it for a year or two before we ever had money from anyone else or the bank. What was this before you built this up? It was a really old home um, that was that had been here since you know 1890s. And we, in fact, tried to incorporate some piece of it into... Um, this building and in the end it the historic commission was like there's nothing here <laughs> we can save um, but it was a really old um, home that had gone through so many it had some really interesting history it was a bar I think in you know 1910 and in fact when we went to look under the building um, we found that there was a beer bottle hanging up like holding up the foundation like it had been like it was it was, it was awesome. like wedged in there it was wedged in and that was you know supporting some part of the foundation we we're like well this is really um indicative of of our property <laughs> like this is <laughs> we'll be using um you know it's, yeah. it's funny that they're using beer bottles as as building materials and um so yeah it was uh it was a really old house that was really run down Did, so you guys never actually like had parties in there you just no. sat on it okay no I, in fact we we had to demo it almost immediately it had been condemned by the city multiple times I and mean, okay. it was in I mean, a beer bottle was holding it up. Like yeah. it was in really bad shape. So that was maybe 2014, 2015 when yeah. you bought it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you're sitting on it for two years. It's around 2017. You raised the money so around $6 million. You open in cahoots in late 2018? 2019. Mm -hmm. 2019. Early mm -hmm. 2019? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And your the build-out process took around a year for this place. Is that right? Yeah. And a year, over a year for um, for architectural um, diagrams and to get through the city and everything. Yeah. So two years, two and a half years just to construct. Is this your vision or are you like, I'm going to find an interior designer who, you know, I like, and I'm going to have the interior designer just draw plans and go that route. Or you seem like a really creative person. Is this, are your fingerprints all over this? Oh yeah. No, this is my, my mom and I did everything here. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So people are listening there's like a backdrop behind Kristen of speakers on the wall and there's VHS tapes above it. Patriot games, Jetsons, happy Gilmore, hope floats. Um, a lot of character here. 
from the first floor up to the rooftop where we are, give our listeners a sense of what's on each floor in, in the layout. Yeah, so um, we are a boutique hotel that focuses on group travel. And we have five units. And each unit has five bedrooms, a living room, and a kitchen. And additionally, we have a lobby, a roof lobby, and a roof deck, and a pool. So we have some community amenities. And... Yeah, sorry. Talk about the. I think the rooftop deck is kind of what stands out here. Yeah, it's it's one of the, it's it's an incredible feature. Um, the rooftop deck is around thirty four hundred square feet and just incredible downtown views of Austin. Um, it's it's a pretty amazing area up there. We host a lot of private events. And you said to me when we spoke earlier that it's kind of in our nature to be playful with guests. Like the one year anniversary party. You had a tarot card reader and a palm reader. Um, <laughs> I wish they had told me about coronavirus. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, Maybe we wouldn't have had the party. Yeah. <laughs> you. What do you? Why do you like to be playful? And what do you mean by being playful with the with your guests? Yeah. Um, you know, I I think in general, my husband and I are very playful, fun people, and we enjoy um, and enjoy kind of laughing. Um, and the guests that come here are all coming with their friends and families or colleagues, and they're coming here to make memories, and they're generally really, really happy when they get here. And so we, we love to be kind of a part of that and to help facilitate them making these really fun, playful memories. Nice. You, the, the obvious question I have, not to be a downer, but I'm like, okay, people, bachelor parties are rowdy. They trash the place. Like, what percentage of your budget is spent on cleaning and like, I mean, what, what type of deposit are people putting down before they stay here? Well, we don't really like to nickel and dime people. So for one, you know, we unless it's like they've broken a lot, we, we really wouldn't charge anyone. I don't think we've charged anyone over the past year. Um, but we do have a heavy, heavy focus on cleaning um, because we don't just host bachelor parties. We also, you know, one of my colleagues reminded me that you know, um, last year we had one day where we had um, bachelor and bachelorette parties checking out. And that same day we had a full buyout for a priest retreat. <laughs> so all this, it was a, a priest conference that was coming in. And it's funny to think about the dichotomy between those two groups. Um, but cleaning is incredibly important here. And I think that's um, one of the reasons that people would choose us as a hotel versus an Airbnb, um, is you know that you're going to get a consistent cleaning experience. So each unit takes you know, 10 hours to 12 hours to clean. Um, and that's, you know, maybe divided up amongst two people or three people, but it's, it's quite a bit of cleaning. Everything gets, um, taken out. Everything that's Terry gets taken out. Um, anything else, um, we have now we're using some viruside fog. So we're actually fogging the unit every time someone checks out. Um, and we do a, a big deep clean on, on literally everything. Okay. I, if I book a bachelor party here, can I, will you tell me in advance that there's, uh, there's going to be three other bachelor parties at the same time as you're going to be here, or there's gonna be two other bachelorette parties. Like, is it like a, like a camp atmosphere where like everyone's hanging out <laughs> with each other? It is. Sometimes it depends on the group. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Um, I mean, everyone has their very own unit with a huge living room and a big kitchen, but they also have glass garage doors that they can roll up to open up to the pool. And so if they did want to be a little bit more social, it's almost like a cabana. The, their living room almost turns into a cabana. Um, but, I mean, it, it, it just depends on the group. Sometimes they're really happy to have their own little setting and their own private setting. Um, and, and then they keep everything very closed and sectioned off. Before 
coronavirus, what was the hardest lesson that you learned? Was there ever a time where you were like, oh, this is why more people don't do this? Oh, I, you know, it's, I, I mean, <clears throat> before this hit, one of the things I was trying to figure out is how I can like turn it off because, um, you know, and as I'm always on call, I'm always looking at what's happening at this facility. Um, and so we, we, we would have at night, we have a, a we call him a mischief manager. <laughs> so we always have someone here, but you know, I'm always looking at my phone in case I, I never want to miss a call from our mischief manager. Um, how do so- I, how, what's on the job description for a mischief manager? How do I get that job? I want to know. You just kind of hang out, like make sure no one's bringing a huge party back and, you know, just make sure everyone's having a good time. Sometimes uh, he would do some private bartending stuff for people or, you know, yeah. <laughs> That's great. That's awesome. <laughs> it was funny because we, we would do a, um, I, we will, we do. <laughs> we do a, a happy hour here for our guests. Um, and so the mischief manager is a, is a private bartender and he would actually bartend for everyone. So we, we would joke that he um, creates the mischief and then he has to manage it all night long. <laughs> <laughs> that's great um so i've read up about other companies um like away travel they got really big when they got a lot of celebrities posting about the luggage and that's kind of how they took off have you had celebrities stay here po- like posting on social media about the experience here and has that led to additional business or has it not really reached that stage yet well when we opened our door, we were a hundred percent booked every weekend. Literally, we were booked three days after we opened, and that was up until this coronavirus. So we haven't had the need to pay for any marketing, but we have had some um, people stay here that, that end up like posting on Instagram. And so periodically, my friends will be like, "Oh, look, this um, you know Instagram celebrity." is staying at Ingoods right now. <laughs> and it's always kind of fun to see, to see that, but, um, we not, we haven't really paid for any, any marketing. In fact, we spent like, I mean, we paid for ph- photographs here, but otherwise we have spent $0 on marketing. I think that's like the definition of product market fit when, <laughs> when you can have like 90% occupancy and not have to spend any money on marketing. It's pretty, that's, yeah, that's pretty incredible. Um, where do you book? If I go straight to your set, I can book there, but do you guys also get bookings from, Verbo, Airbnb, et cetera? Yeah, yeah, we do. And in fact, um, Airbnb um, has hosted some major events themselves here. So they had their their global, every quarter they have a global conference with hosts and they hosted that in Austin at our at our hotel. Um, so it's been it's been really great to work with them. And yeah, we have a we have channels that come in from Airbnb, Verbo, um, and then also um, there are some other event places like Peerspace um, because we have such a unique space. Um, one thing I haven't mentioned yet is that the walls between the living rooms in each unit can be removed to create a big event space. Um, and so we also host things like weddings or um, big corporate retreats where they need a big space and they need smaller breakout sessions and stuff. Got it. So you had, just to take it back to what we were talking about before, you had $5 million in verbal commitments for additional funding to expand to Nashville um, was any of that money to expand in Austin too, or, or other cities? Or was it just going to be in Nashville? We were going to do Nashville first in Austin. We already have a round committed to expand here. Okay. Um, but yeah, we're, we're moving out to Nashville. Um, now 
uh, obviously we put that on hold. We're not sure what this is going to do to real estate uh, prices. And we're especially not sure what this is going to do to hotel prices. We think there might be some hotels that might be um, needing to sell. Yeah. Um, I think that's when we spoke earlier, that what struck me about you is um, you look at this as a defining moment in your career. That's how you described it to me. Um, and you're taking an aggressive stance, like, wait a second, instead of like scaling back our business, there could be some hotels that we could buy to even expand further and faster. Um, describe your mindset right now on that. Yeah. Well, I mean, first I've, you know, obviously been crushed by this. I don't think anyone wants this to happen. And I, I'm, uh, I, I wish that this had never been a, a this pandemic had never happened, but given that it has, um, you know, I, I kind of took a step back and, and had to realize that, um, yeah, this is, this is like a huge, huge hurdle that I need to overcome. And this is a defining moment or probably the biggest defining moment in my career. And I could either kind of sink back and try to scramble to make this place very successful, which I, I still will do. But, um, I think more than anything, I think we have to look at this as a silver find the silver lining and, and well, silver lining that we could find is that maybe this will adjust some of the prices to enable us to expand. And I think one of the things we've been so lucky to have is, is a full year of, of history um, where we can prove that our, this crazy idea for a hotel is um, actually worked. Um, so we can go to investors and show them that there is a market for this um, and that travel will resume. Yeah. And in fact, maybe We'll even need more space, um, more of our travel settings, because I think people won't be working at the office as much anymore, and they'll need to be able to connect in places like corporate that can hold a corporate retreat. Yeah, and but in the meantime, you're also pivoting, right? This you never had a bar here before. Yeah, you had a bar, and the the mischief manager would serve drinks. But like, if I weren't staying here, I couldn't just show up and sit at the bar and grab a drink. Now you're trying to transition to that, right? Yeah. So that's that's kind of interesting because right now. It's not a good time to be in in group travel. <laughs> no one's traveling and no one is traveling in groups. Um, and so what we're trying to figure out is uh, over the next several months, what can we do to get some money here? Um, and so what we're looking at is, um, uh, yeah, we are going to open up a bar. Um, we also are probably going to do private dinners with private chefs, which is something that we have always done here. Um and uh, so, yeah, it's a little bit of a, of a pivot for us um, to be opening this up. And what's really been on my mind is how do we maintain our brand and um, the same feeling of kind of, um, I, I don't know, a, what is it, je ne sais quoi, <laughs> like yeah. when you walk into our building that makes us, makes you feel happy and um, maintain it's that. It feels fresh and like, and not fresh as in like new, but like I've never seen this type of layout before the type of um, decor you have, it's like kind of entering a new world a little bit. That's how I felt. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I hope it's kind of, yeah, it's, it's really a fun environment. Um, and I, I want to make, I want to make sure that people coming here still feel that even though our product is a little bit different. So even though our product might be a drink, I still want them to come and, and, you know, have that same feeling about our property. Yeah. Right now, do you have any guests staying? And when, if not, like when's the last time a guest stayed here? Yeah, so we have been hosting medical professionals. Um, I, I think we have two. 
Okay. <laughs> I think I heard that the average hotel um, occupancy right now in Austin is 3%. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we, we are considered essential, so we are allowed to be here. Um, but, uh, yeah, there just aren't very many people traveling. And when we spoke a few days ago, you said that you just got three bookings in July and August. So, like, people are still booking in the future. Like, when's the next time somebody is checking in here for, like, a bachelor party and and in a typical week now, how many new bookings are you getting versus like the beginning of July, uh, January? Well, gosh, I, you know, booking is seasonal too. Um, and you know, the world's, you know, in, in chaos right now. <laughs> no one knows what's going on. So, um, you know, I, it's, it's hard to say. We still have bookings. I mean, to remember we were fully booked through June and then we had, a lot of bookings all the way into 2021. And so we still have a lot of them on the books. Um, we had someone call today that is having her wedding May 27th. And so maybe we'll have a very, it's a very, very small wedding with just her family. And mm-hmm. um, we're looking at having in-house AV <laughs> so that maybe we can help people do um, uh, like live virtual conferences and live streaming and stuff. Um, but uh, yeah. So to answer your question, you know, it's, it's hard because booking is so seasonal, but we have been seeing people, um, uh, book for, yeah, July and August. And I hope, I hope people are traveling by then. What, uh, what have your investors told you? Have they been like supportive and like giving you really great feedback or are you sort of like in a hole where you're just like, I'm, I'm figuring this out with my staff and you're not really in communication with them? Uh, I have really wonderful investors. I don't want to be a bother to them, so I don't call them all the time. But uh, anytime I've needed advice, they've been available, which is wonderful. And we've been trying to over-communicate. Like I said, I think right now uh, is a defining moment in my career, and I think one of the things that you have to do in a crisis is truly over-communicate. And so that's that's what we're trying to do. Yeah, you said that this is the most pressure I've ever felt for me to do well. Um, you alluded to that before. What do you do to, to like get away? And are, are you doing anything to just like take your mind off things? Um, I'm, no, I'm always thinking about this. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how you, how you stop thinking about this. I, we, um, I, you know, it's, we were, we were doing so, so well. And now we have a product that doesn't really have a market right now. People are not traveling even if we open it up for events, no one's going to events there, you know, there's very little, like, even if we open a bar right now, no, no one's going to the bars. You can't, you can't open a bar right now. So, you know, I, I, it's, it's a really tough time. We live in a world that's kind of crazy right now. Are you adding more to the system than taking from it? I wasn't willing to tell myself that I didn't believe in myself enough to make it work. Come to Austin, just do cool stuff. That's the cover charge. 